Colossians 3. Today we'll be looking at New Year's resolutions, new leaves, new beginnings, new starts, all framed within the context of Colossians 3. As we look to the reading of God's Word, if you'd please join me in prayer. Living God, we ask you this day to help us to hear your holy word, that we may truly understand, and Lord, that in understanding we would believe, and in believing we would follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and your glory in all that we do. And this we ask through Christ Jesus our Lord. Colossians 3 will be beginning just looking at the first 11 verses. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The word of the Lord. What do you call people with a new gym membership come February, donors, meaning that often people with new memberships never actually go to the gym or go for very long, and so they consider their monthly fees jokingly as donations that they continue to pay month by month. The number who start the New Year's with great intentions of new resolutions is really fairly high, almost near 50%. Someone, though, has done the research showing the success rate, which is about 8%. And the top 10 resolutions are a list that has the usual suspect. It doesn't change that much year to year. We see things at the top of lose weight, exercise more, quit smoking, learn to play the ukulele. That's not on there. But we, we have these lists for a reason. People want to start fresh. They want to start new. And there's nothing wrong with new goals, new desires to improve ourselves. Self-improvement is really a great American pastime. But why do we desire to change? And why are we so bad at it? Is self-improvement different than sanctification? So as Christians, what should we be focused on? What's involved in changing our character, becoming and improving ourselves with a greater morality. What does that look like? Well, because we have been raised with Christ, we are called to put on the new self even as we put to death what is from the flesh, the old. How does that work, though? Is Christianity simply a religion that favors the seriously self-dedicated as it applauds their efforts to rise to the top above everyone else? Our instincts tell us that doing nothing isn't right, but at the same time, having that mentality where I must get in 10,000 steps on my Fitbit before breakfast probably isn't right either. Much of the time, 
we find a spot that we're comfortable in where we can look down at others for not having our strengths. And then we give ourselves a pass for our own weaknesses. That's not biblical either. What does the desire for change tell us about ourselves? What we're going to be looking at Colossians 3 is we consider some of these big picture questions. Why do we want these changes? Why are we so bad at them? And is there a way actually to go forward? Well, looking at the desire for newness, we know most of us have that need to improve. There, there is a desire within us uh, for new starts, new beginnings, to be different. Now, did Adam and Eve feel this way before the fall? I don't know. But quite possibly so, because our human potential to grow and expand can be a part of what it means to be made in God's image and likeness. But we live on the other side of the fall. There is within us a deep sense that we are not what we should be, an incompleteness of brokenness. Our lives, our bodies, our relationships are all off-center. Resolutions tell us that we think we have a way of fixing what is wrong. If we just try hard enough, we can fix the problem. And so with that, usually religion is thought of as just a means to that end. Try harder and maybe get a little extra divine help along the way to improve. But Christianity's resounding answer to this dilemma is not that you could fix what is wrong. The problem is so severe that the answer is God becoming one of us to make things right. Christ achieves what no amount of desire, willpower, or self-discipline could ever do. He atoned for our sins. He has given us new life in himself. In Christ, our desires are changed. Jesus enables us to want, to desire new things. The Apostle Paul exhorts believers to walk in this new way of life provided for us. Now, to be sure, Paul's not talking about New Year's resolutions. He's speaking of lifelong resolutions in Christ. He begins in verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, if meaning, yes, you have been raised with Christ. Seek then the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth, meaning things of our flesh, things of our, our sinful desires. In the Bible, setting our minds on what is above, right thinking, is never just an intellectual knowledge. It always includes living in light of that knowledge. Belief and practice are never separated. And he goes on, because for you have died. Your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Notice the, the tenses here. Especially verse 3, it's past tense. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ. It's already accomplished. Because of the Holy Spirit's work in us, we are now wanting new things in Christ. And that language here in verses 1 to 4, it's baptismal language that Paul brings back in from chapter 2, verse 12. There he says, having been buried with Christ in baptism in which you were also raised with him in faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. We have identified ourselves with Jesus in our baptism, that just as God raised him from the dead, so we are raised anew in Jesus. 
We are called to enter into what has already been accomplished for us. New Testament scholar Scott McKnight, he puts it this way. He says, on the basis of their co-resurrection with Christ, the Colossians are to seek to participate in new creation life, directing their faith and lordship towards Christ who rules over all creation. That's a, a, a great packed way of, of looking at who we are in him. And we look at that and go, yes and amen, that's wonderful news. Why are we so bad at it, if that's the case? We all feel then the drag of the old self. We feel the weight of that old nature still holding on to us that slows down our our moving forward. And we already see that when it comes to just New Year's resolutions, less than 10% follow through. We're defeated by these failed resolutions. And beyond those kind of resolutions, I think most of us feel defeated in our failed attempts at living a holy life, at, at battling our own sins. Why do we fail? I'm sure several reasons, but a few. One, one writer has given us one. He, he put it this way. He says, in the first place, most of us fail to determine the root cause of the problem we want to fix. For example, one of the most common resolutions is to lose a certain amount of weight. So we decide to eat less, to eat differently, and maybe gain an exercise program. However, there's always a deeper reason a person overeats. It may be loneliness, a lack of self-esteem, or some other less apparent problem. You see, we can fail because we're not looking at the underlying reasons attached to a particular sin. I'm hoping that a particular idol in my life is going to provide me some sort of life, some sort of comfort apart from God. And if I'm not willing to look at that deeper reason, that deeper motivation, I won't get very far. And we also fail simply because of the remnants of the old nature that still clings to us. We struggle with earthly and fleshly desires In Paul, he lists out some of these here. He said, put to death, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul, he says that these should be a part of our past life, not our present reality. He says in verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in, but now you must put them all away. Then he goes, gives us a, a greater list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. These these are a part of our old nature, but in Jesus, all of this has changed. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That, That is good news. The broken image that we have of God is substantially restored and renewed in Christ, but not completely restored and renewed this side of glory. We long for that day when there will be a completedness for us. But until then, there there is a war that continues as we continue to be drugged down 
with our sins that so easily entangle us. You see, in all of this, this is not simply a self-help effort. Paul is writing to the church. He says in verse 11, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Our, Our sanctification, as it were, is a group effort. As Christians, we are in this together. The Lord gifts the body of Christ so that we are now interdependent on one another for our growth in grace. In this list of sins Paul gives to us, we see that we cannot practice these things and expect that even small changes in our lives in other areas are going to go well because we're complete people. We we can't dice ourselves up into little compartments and I fail here, but I succeed over here. We're, We're all in this together as of the body, but we're also all in this together as an individual body. We can't compartmentalize our lives. The idols that we want to serve us always turn into our masters in the end. That's the nature of sin. We enter into sin because we want to take from it something. I want some enjoyment from this. I want to do this thing because it's going to give me something. Always we become enslaved. It turns into the master. Sin enslaves us. Well, what might that look like? Well, take good health. Good health is a good thing. Wanting to be healthy, there's nothing wrong with that. But it makes a terrible idol. I want to look a certain way. I want to be desirable. I I want to feed my pride. Why do you think there's so many mirrors and gyms? People don't forget how to flex. They like to look at it. They want other people to see it. It feeds something there. Wanting to bring about a positive change in our lives, it's, again, it could be a great thing. But if we're not honest with the deeper desire of why, the inner causes of our heart, we will treat it superficially. What is superficial never lasts. What Paul is speaking about is not superficial. We battle our desires. We battle competing truth claims. We battle ingrained habits of the heart. And when we consider why we fail at at starting something new that's good, or why we fail stopping something that's bad, it can be that we have failed to understand the nature of the battle before us. They haven't taken it seriously. A a new, improved me can just sort of be like daydreaming while flipping through a magazine, looking at a sports car, looking at fashion things, like, oh, wouldn't that be nice someday? But not really expecting that to happen. So like all of humanity, we desire change for our lives. We desire something to be new and improved. And like all of humanity, we are easily defeated and we fail. How do we go forward? We, we go forward in the delight of Christ. And that can be our delight in Christ, but more importantly, the delights of Christ himself. Paul has spent the first half of his letter to the Colossians talking about the preeminence of Jesus, about our being made alive in him, that he is our life. You see, God 
has made resolutions for his people too. And the design of these resolutions are centered on his son. God is at work in us. Philippians 1, Paul tells us, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. And then Paul, talking of his own life and his own efforts, a great picture in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I worked harder than all the rest. Nevertheless, it was not I, but the grace of God which is in me. And then speaking of Colossians 3, one commentator, he, he says this, he says, Christian conduct is the result not simply of an effort to be good, but of incorporation into the body of Christ. We have been brought into Christ. How many times do we see in Christ, in Christ? Who does verse 12 describe after all? Verse 12, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Well, who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. We put on Christ, his nature. In all this, Paul tells us not because of our goodness, of getting it all figured out, of great self-control and discipline, but because of the riches of his grace. Our motivation for forgiving others comes because we have been forgiven. He goes on there in verse 13. He says, if anyone has a complaint against another, we all have complaints against somebody. If you fit that category, all of us, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So we must also forgive. One little caveat on that. Paul is speaking to each one of us who have sinned against somebody else and have been then sinned against. We forgive them. Often this verse gets used to beat up people we've sinned against. It's not what it's referring to. You don't sin against somebody and then go and demand that they forgive you. It's when someone has sinned against you, God is saying you need to forgive. But you don't go and demand someone forgive you. Hey, the Bible says this, you need to forgive me. Because then that's not a gift given to you. That's a demand you're placing on someone else for the burden you've caused in sinning against them. So just keep that in mind. We read that as those who've been sinned against by someone else, the call to us is to forgive. It's not meant to be a baseball bat to go hit someone over the head because we want to demand they forgive us. So that's an important context to keep in mind. We forgive as God has forgiven us. And Paul goes on. Verse 14, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body. And be thankful. We put on what has been done for us. Our delighting in the Lord includes thinking differently. New actions flow from new beliefs. That's a great thing. How do we get these new beliefs? Well, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with 
thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. New life in Christ cannot simply be reduced to just try harder. Do good, don't do bad. We all know telling someone to stop it has never worked, even while true. The anxiety that we can feel or, or worry, that sort of thing that comes upon us, and someone, well, you just need to stop worrying. Wow. I didn't think about that. Thank you. It's over. We know that. Yes. Well, just don't do that dumb thing. Well, that's the problem. Like, there's this war that's taking place. Or I, I don't know how not to worry. The good news of the gospel is it isn't try harder, stop it. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has done and accomplished. I appreciate Scottish theologian, Pastor Thomas Chalmers. A few generations ago, he reminds us that we do not stop sinning out of duty, but because of a greater desire that's now lodged in our heart. He says the only way to get rid of an old affection or sinful one is by the expulsive power of a new affection. And it's the Lord who enables us to cultivate these new desires. The Lord gives us new desires for new things. His Holy Spirit working in us. Notice how often Paul speaks of thankfulness and gratitude. Those are ways that we, we inculcate that new desire to be thankful, to express gratitude because an entitled heart thinks I deserve this. You don't deserve grace. It's a gift given to you. And this whole process by God's design for us in Christ is a team sport. Paul is always speaking to the church, Christians in the plural. The you here is you plural, you all. We, we want to individualize this, particularly as Americans, but it's a group effort. We have been given one to another to help each other grow. We grow as the body of Christ. And in putting on this new self, Paul tells us, he warns us, he says, there is going to be a war of truth claims. There is going to be a war of desires. There is going to be a war of habits of the heart. The, the flesh does not give way easily. We have the world and the devil constantly attacking us with this. It's not a playground game. It's difficult. And when you enter into it, these things come against you. But the good news is that we've already overcome in Jesus. That we, we look to him as the standard. We, we don't look to, to one another. As Pastor John already mentioned, that, that comparison. It's so easy to go, well, I'm better than that loser. I'm doing all right. Or, oh, wow, not doing as good as that person. I'll focus more on this loser. Because I, I could beat that. I can't beat that. We'll just call Mother Teresa a saint, and that puts her in a different category. So I don't have to worry about that one. We, we do that. We have these little games we play. And the first one is, is we together are the body of Christ. We're not in competition with one another. We're here to assist one another. It's a team sport. 
we grow in Christ together. We help one another. And how do we do that? By listening to what is true, Paul says. Worshiping the one who is all truth. That renews us together. Our desires are recentered on Christ each week. We come confessing our sins. We come receiving his forgiveness. We, we come receiving the gift of communion. In presence with God's people changes our habits. It changes our hearts. That's by God's design that our worship here, going to him, goes out horizontally to one another. God really changes us as we worship him. As we are gathered to express our delight in him, our praise, our thanksgiving, it really does something to us. That is a gift. Brothers and sisters, your God is faithful and true. He is committed to his resolutions for you. He is resolved to keep them. And he will keep them. Pray with me. Father, we are so grateful that you have called us from an empty way of life into the presence of your living Son. Father, that you have raised us with him. You have given us an entire new set of desires. Father, that your Spirit within us calls out, Abba, Father. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you how you have restored in us that broken image because of our sin. And Lord, we pray that that would continue, that you would help us, Father, in our pursuit of holiness, righteousness, justice, and truth, that the body of Christ, that we together, Father, would be such a witness for you that others would be able to see, Father, the love that we have for one another and know that you indeed sent your Son, that he would receive the reward of his suffering in the lives of his people. And in this we pray and ask to Christ our mighty Redeemer. Amen.